Joining the chorus, it's time for another North Melbourne Footy Club update with Dean Vasic and special guests on Hashtag Kangaroos. Hi, this is Ben Mackay from the North Melbourne Footy Club and you're listening to another episode of the Hashtag Kangaroos podcast. Here is your host, Dean. Thank you, Ben Mackay. Welcome to another episode. If this is your first time listening listening to the show, then welcome. My name is Dean Vasic. You can find me on Twitter at hashtag Kangaroos, Instagram hashtag Kangaroos Podcast, and TikTok on hashtag Kangaroos One. So today, I'll welcome back the ravishing one in Ricky Mangides. It's been a while since I've had him on. Our schedules haven't lined up too well, so it was good to have him back on. Talk about the shinbone.com uh, and his latest stuff there. What he's noticing in the last few weeks that is that have made us more competitive and a lot more discussion about individual players. Let's not waste any more of your valuable time and bring on Ravishing Ricky Mangides right now. Ravishing Ricky Mangides, welcome to the show today. Uh, need your theme music for a proper intro, proper intro, so let me work on that in the future. Anyways, let's get straight to it and tell us what has been happening on shinboner.com lately for all your loyal servants. <laughs> is a bit overblown, but um, no, it's been a few weeks since uh, since I've been on. Um, no, a bit going on. Um, obviously, we're finally through the buy rounds, which were what, four weeks and felt like four years, which is um, mm. hopefully hopefully I figured a way to make that a bit shorter next year. Hey? But um, no, I got a post up actually this morning, uh, just detailing the sort of the five things I'm looking for from North for the rest of the year, and I guess what I'll be keeping a closer eye on, which we'll probably end up touching on most of that um, most of that through the next you know however long we're. We're chatting, so um, that's the key one. And then obviously, I, I can't imagine many people here want to read a, listening to this, want to read a Port Adelaide thing. But um, sort of did a deep dive into their midfield and, and how they're working together. But um, the good part was found a couple of new ways to sort of look at centre bounce sequence data, and, and going to apply that to North for the rest of the year, especially without with all the mids that have come back. And uh, it's going to be a tight squeeze, eh, with all those people in there. So. Um, yeah, plenty going on. Um, Patreon now offering seven-day free trials, which is handy. So people have the option to to try before they buy, so to speak. So, um, yeah, it's all going well. Yeah, I did um, look at the article today, and I did uh, a podcast the other day talking about the 16 uncontracted players coming up. So you can get Ricky's view on that, plus Alistair Clarkson um, and, and a number of other things in his latest article. So, look, if you can do one thing, then get behind his work. $10 a month. I mean, you do have different tiers, but just go to $10 a month. You get quality content, and you support one of your own as well. Ricky does put in the work, backs up a lot of his work uh, and articles with statistics and actual facts. This isn't someone just looking for clicks and hot takes like Skip Bayless or anything like that. Uh, if you want to be a more educated North supporter, then get behind Ricky and his work. I know I'm a smarter supporter for it, and you will be as well. All Ricky asked for, besides the $10, is to keep the noise down so you can show you what a real sexy article looks like. That's fair, Ricky? <laughs> uh, sure. Yeah, well, why not? <laughs> I just uh, quoting Rick Rude there, so yeah, no, uh, yeah, but uh, definitely get behind it. Um, anyways, let's get to it. Uh, Twelve losses in a row after a promising two and zero start. It's fair to say you've been more optimistic about it uh, all than uh, what uh, most supporters would be. What makes you uh, think we are going in the right direction right now, Ricky? Uh, I think I think if you, if you go back to the start of the year uh, and we could see what. We can see what they were trying to implement um, in terms of player roles and responsibilities and and sort of the team-wide structures and and after that sort of promising first two weeks sort of it looked like it sort of dropped off but you could see they were still trying to play the same way they were just sort of struggling in in getting all the all those little moving points together 
and um, across the last sort of four to five weeks, um, how many games have been since the Sydney game five, including that one. Um, I think you can see it slowly start to come together, um, you know, bit by bit. You know, some obviously there's still, you know, I'm not, not trying to claim that it's anywhere near the finished article. There's still a million miles to go um, until they get there. But I mean, I absolutely, definitely think it's moving in the right direction. You see players taking a step forward, like the obviously Will Phillips and, and Bailey Scott, um, the latter on a wing, and and the forwards are slowly starting to sort of work a bit, a bit better together. Um, obviously, you'd like more more forward half time, but in terms of over the last month, actually starting to score um, relatively often when it actually gets in the forward fifty, which is which is a good sign. I mean, I mean, my personal preference would probably be try to get more inside fifties first and then increase the scoring, but I mean, the other way around is, is perfectly acceptable as well. So um, it's just a bunch of little things that all come together and I definitely think it's moving in the right direction. It's just um, as, as funny as it sounds, you almost have to look away from the scoreboard to find... Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I, I talked to Jacinda about this a couple of weeks ago, who works for Champion Data, mm-hmm. and she said we are moving the ball a lot quicker from the back half to the forward half now. Starting to get more overlap, and the possessions from the back half have pretty much half um, from moving the ball from the back half to the forward half. It's gone to seven or eight, whereas previously it was a lot of stop-start, a lot of chip-in, uh, Mark. Uh, is that what you've noticed as well? Yeah, I mean, obviously I don't have access to those numbers. <laughs> um, no, no, no. It's like if someone wants to give me like six figures so I can get access to the premium champion data package, that'd be, <laughs> that'd be appreciated. But uh, yeah, I think so. Like, I think in a general sense, when teams are working on their running patterns and and where one person has to move and how that affects um, your teammate who has to move in a different direction. And, and I mean, the, the holy grail is that you have multiple options moving at all times on when you have possession, right? And that, and that takes a lot of time, especially with the way um, basically trying to I guess, create a modern style as opposed to last year where it was something out of, you know, like 2004. Um, so I, I think that goes back to what we're talking about in terms of slowly, slowly, it all comes together. We're figuring out the players figuring out, you know, how to overlap, where to, where to overlap the forwards are figuring out where to lead, how to lead for each other as well. So that creates that, um, that extra space, which leads to, uh, leads, I guess, improved disposal out of the back half. And when you've got improved disposal out of the back half, that's, you get higher quality entries. And you score more from those entries. So, yeah, the next step is to get to get more, more the quantity of entries up. Yeah, I mean, we might as well go to what you're hoping for for the rest of the year, uh, Ricky. Is it wins now? Uh, more game time for kids? Anything in particular? <coughs> you, I mean, you, you're talking about uh, you know forward fifty entries there. Um, yeah, look, is there anything specific you're looking for? I mean, you did mention it in your latest article as well. I'm going to give you the cop out answer. And say I hope for both in terms for the rest of the year uh, in, ter- in terms of wins and development. Um, I think there's some tough games in there. Like you look at Adelaide, obviously the next two, the next two games, Adelaide in Adelaide, Geelong in Geelong, and then um, and then Melbourne later on as well. Those three, I think that's like a bit juicy. Yeah, that's a bridge too far in terms of challenging. I would assume. Um, but then there's there's Hawthorne, there's West Coast over there. It doesn't sound like they're getting many players back in the short term. Um, they might not even have a full 23 at this stage by the time, by the time North goes over there with all their injuries. And then there's a couple other ones. You don't know how um, St. Kilda season's going to go. You don't know how Essendon season's going to go. Um, and then a couple and a couple other ones goalposts in the last round. So, I mean, I think a realistic chance for two to three wins out of those last nine, um, or last six, I guess, once you, once you remove Adelaide, Geelong and Melbourne from the equation. So, and in amongst that, it's all about getting this midfield right, which you've got, 
guys like Phillips and Wardlaw, I'd imagine Wardlaw will have one, maybe two more rests until the end of the year. Um, you got Coleman Jones, who, um, if my research is correct, he's never played more than six consecutive games at AFL level. And um, as long as he stays fit, he'll he'll break that. I think he played what five leading into the bye, and and, and Coleman's still what six weeks away. So um, getting more game time into him, which would be the longest stretch he's ever had at AFL level. Um, and then figuring out all the moving parts in the back line. So that's, which we could probably talk for 45 minutes about that later one. So um, there's still all, there's still so much that can be achieved in the last nine matches. Um, and hopefully there's some a couple of wins to go along with it. Oh, definitely. And, and a pretty good answer, actually, Ricky. I thought uh, you were just leaving him outside off stump uh, Earl, <laughs> You've seen off the new ball, but uh, no, you, you started putting the half volleys away. So uh, did very well. Now, Talking about the back line, uh, we've had yeah. Taron Thomas come into the team a few weeks ago and has been very impressive. He played three quarters in the back half against the Bulldogs before the bye. Uh, you talked about this in your article, but just explain to the listeners what you did see in those three quarters. Yeah, that was an interesting one. Um, it was actually probably a good team to try it against. Um, I guess obviously we don't know whether it's going to whether it's going to stay as a semi-permanent thing for the next few weeks to trial, but as it Sort of focused on the Bulldogs. Uh, they tend the Bulldogs tend to ha- have one of their starting forwards roll up and basically just play as an extra midfield straight away after the centre bounce. Um, and that was and that tends to be Bailey Smith at least in the last sort of four to six weeks or so. So when Th- Thomas spent uh, quite a bit of his time on Smith, so from that from that respect, it was I mean, it was easy. Like he basically Thomas can play as a mid, you know. Um, and a lot of what the Bulldogs do is they run Smith up to the to the contest, and then he just burns a halfback off the other way because that halfback doesn't really have that understanding of midfield patterns, where to go, and Smith doesn't defend anyway. So, um, But with, when Smith was on, or when Thomas was on Smith, like, he knows midfield, he knows midfield patterns, he knows where to move, how to how to move, so Smith couldn't really get that um, that space that he was used to, that he used to getting, and was actually forced to, forced to pay more attention to Thomas than he normally would a half-back. So, from that respect, it worked really well. Um, and then when he wasn't on Smith, he was on well, I guess probably the best way to describe it is the least threatening Bulldogs small forward. So um, sometimes it was Lockie McNeil because uh, he was the sub who came on after Jones got injured. Um, sometimes Riley West and a couple other rotations. So they basically tried to stick him on the least threatening small forward and then, and then try to create some stuff off half back. So he was, I mean, he was fine defensively. I didn't really see him get exposed too much or, or look lost too much. Um, I, I actually thought he'd be a little bit better at knowing exactly when to create, when to overlap, when North was in possession. Um, that didn't come as quickly as I thought. Whether that is something he, he will improve on really quickly with more time there, that's, that's hard to know. Um, I think people sort of give halfbacks a bad rap sometimes because they think it's easy possessions and you, know, oh, you just run around by yourself all day, right? But um, yeah. there's an instinct to it and there's a real understanding of the game needed that is very different to playing as a as a midfielder, as a winger, as a half forward, um, as a small defender. It's different to every other position and you really need to understand the, the intricacies of it, which is what makes Sheasel's um, season so impressive that he's been able to basically parachute into a position he's barely played his whole life and, and pick it up straight away, right? So um, whether Thomas can sort of pick up those intricacies over the next few weeks, I'm, I mean, I'm not sure. Um, it's, yeah, obviously these next two weeks are pretty tough opponents to do it against. But, um, yeah, I, I think we noticed when he went into the midfield in the last quarter, um, 
he did seem much more, I guess, confident, which isn't to say he wasn't confident after pack, but he was much more dynamic in that last quarter than he was the first three in terms of creating um, creating plays. So um, it's good to have those conversations and those decisions and, and, and where to play him. Yeah, I mean, I think you mentioned this in your last article. There's a lot of midfielders coming through. There's mm. there's a lot of options. So, I mean, I think it's worth persisting with him for the uh, next four to six weeks there. Um, would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I think I think you can't really – it won't hurt, right? Um, no. I think the only reason you wouldn't do it is if there's other options you really want to try through there as a matter of priority over Thomas. Um yeah, maybe it could be one or two injuries, and it's like, oh, well, you know, Taron, we need you as a full-time midfielder the next fortnight, or as a full-time, you know, midfield, that sort of thing. So yeah, I mean, I don't see the I don't see the harm in trying, um, unless there's other players that the coaching staff want to get in there, in the, get in there more. Well, the only other one I can think of that's got a similar skill set skill set is Aaron Hall, and you know, I mean, he's definitely at the back end of his career, and mm-hmm. you probably have to uh, look at other options. Um, but uh, you mentioned Harry Sheasel. Now, he, he has been playing in the back half for most of the season. He has played some fo- good footy as a forward mid, especially uh, against the Swans. Where do you think long-term uh, would you like to see him? I think long-term, I think he, I still think his best position is that um, sort of mid-forward, forward mid, um, depending on how you, how you want to split it. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, but I think just because of the personnel and the depth charts and and who's available in which position i think you'll probably have to stay half back for longer than anticipated due, just due to need um i mean he's still very good there to be fair <laughs> um but yeah i think i think he, he is going to be half back for probably the next 12 months i think um unless you know personnel changes and injury um injury forces changes but yeah i think Best vision in the future is mid-forward slash forward-mid, but you have to stay at half-back for a bit longer than anticipated. Yeah, I mean, like you said, uh, I think our options are probably limited there. I mean, we've got uh, Josh Goders coming back this week. He could certainly be a player that could play off that, uh, play that role. I don't know if I've seen enough of him to suggest he could play a role similar to Harry Sheasel and, you know, um, getting 25 touches off the back half. But uh, he's had a lot of responsibility taking kickouts as well. I mean, this is unheard of for a first-year player, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I just, um, if he was at a bigger club, I mean, the, the kind yeah, of no. he, he's getting, he would have been getting his, would have been sort of off the charts, but um, it's probably good. It's probably a good thing for him that, well, I, I don't know his personality type, but he's able to sort of fly under the radar, relatively speaking, right? And um, and, and do his thing, like against, like he's taking, like he was the main kick out guy against, uh, against the Bulldogs. He took six compared to Zeebs four and Thomas three. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, I think I I would if I was voting on the rising star, I'd have him first um, at the moment, that's for sure. Yeah, the, the, there was a was a zero hanger uh, sort of change. They've gone Will Ashcroft um, ahead of him at the moment, which um, yeah has uh, caused a bit of an uproar with a few supporters. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, we'll uh, we'll see how we go. Uh, okay. I've done an Ollie Robinson and given you half volleys outside off stump at about 120 kilometres an hour. Uh, ben Mackay, what do you think is a good number for him to retain him at the moment? What sort of number is too high to keep him based on this year? <laughs> based on this year? <laughs> or based on what he can do in the future? That's probably two different questions, I guess. Yeah. Um, oh, in terms of numbers, um, it's hard to know without knowing all the salary cap details. Um, obviously, that's never going to be... As much as I would like all that stuff to be public for my own 
team building and list analysis purposes, like that's never going to happen. And which is the right decision because I don't think the general football media is ready to sort of treat that maturely um, like it should be. Um, in terms of yeah, so in terms of numbers, I don't I don't really know what a good number is. Um, I do I am working under the assumption, um, which I wrote in my piece today, that I don't think he's staying. Just which isn't based off any inside information at all. It's just purely on what I'm seeing on field. Um, for me, the sort of the final sort of straw, I guess, so to speak, was watching him try to pick off kicks against the Bulldogs like he was on Daniel Rich or Luke Hodge or someone like that off half-back, which I don't think someone fully invested in the future is sort of trying to do that stuff um, and sort of not playing to his limitations and and try to, trying to emphasise his strengths. And I mean, we all know that, you know, he's just, you can be the safe sort of ball handler and just sort of transition, you know, to the next person in the chain, but he's not going to be a, I know, I don't think he's ever going to be a, a real offensive weapon with his with his kicking and suddenly to to try to pull off all these magical, you know, ten percent chance of pulling off kicks um is just not him and and that yeah, that was sort of what consolidated in my head that oh, I don't think he's staying. Um hopefully I'm wrong, because I definitely want want him to stay and he'll leave a massive hole in that back line if he do, if he does go. But um yeah, well, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those things. This is going to play out. Look, he's a restricted free agent, so I think we're going to wait for another team to make an offer. What would you rather? Let's say hypothetically, it's either pick three or keeping him. What would you rather? Would you rather finish product in Ben McKay, who we know what he's capable of, or would you rather you know have him pick two and three in the draft uh, coming uh, this year? Uh, pick three is the only um, the only. I guess acceptable thing if, from my point of view. The way I'm looking at it, pick three is the only way I'd be happy. Or happy is not even the right word, but the only way I'd accept <laughs> seeing him leave. Um, I think anything lower than that, um, what, what's the next chain? End of round one. So you're looking at what nineteen, twenty-ish, so to speak. Um, I, I think that's enough for a team in North's position and losing someone who, you know, twelve months ago they would have planned to be a fullback for the next, you know, seven years. Um, yeah, so yeah, so I think pick three would be the only way I'd be uh, comfortable seeing him go. No, yeah, and I totally agree with that. I think uh, pick 19, that's sort of a bit of a lottery. lottery. You don't really know what you get. I mean, there's no guarantees with pick three at the end of the day, no. but there's a high chance, obviously, that uh, yeah. you get, you know, you're getting one of the best young kids in the draft. So there's a, the, the odds are in your favour. So, yeah, no, I agree. Can you play core low McKay, and Zeeble together in the back half, or is that too top-heavy back there? Uh, I mean, to be honest, to me, it's not really an issue I worry about because it's, that's a very sort of short-term thing. Um, you know, if, if Zeeble plays on next year, which, um, I mean, at the moment, I think he's done enough to do. Um whether his body holds up over the next couple of months, we'll, we'll find it as it happens. Um, but even if Zeebs does play on next year, I think the only way he'd play sort of, you know, 15 plus games is either because of injuries or if the younger guys haven't developed enough to take a spot, to, to take his spot rather. And if the likes of, you know, Bergman, Godot and, and so on haven't developed enough to take Zeebs' spot comfortably next year, then we have far, far bigger problems to, to discuss over whether Zeeb is getting is taking someone's spot, you know. So um yeah, to me it's not really an issue to worry about. Um because it's it's not going to be sort of the first or second choice backline for next year, if that makes sense. No, no yeah, I 
Oh, yeah, it totally makes sense. So, yeah, yeah. no, that's, that's understandable. Uh, finish with the back one. We'll go to the midfield now. Now, you mentioned George Wardlaw before and how impressive he is, and he has a real hunger and will, you know, and, you know, has changed the culture of the club pretty much, just the way he plays. Now, you expect uh, a couple more rests for him for the rest of the year just with the way he sort of throws his body at every contest and, you know, being, you know, real aggressive, hunt, you know, being, you know, very uh, hungry towards uh, – the man and the ball that uh, he probably needs a couple more rests uh, through this year. I think so. Yeah. I mean, he looked, if North had played a game last weekend, I reckon he would have been rested for that based on how he looked. Yeah. Um, he did look a bit flat um, against the Bulldogs. I mean, some of that can be because of the way the Bulldogs midfielders play and, and get you on the spin as they go forward. Um, so it's important not to rule that out, but um, I mean, just to my, to my eye, he did look a bit tired last um, two weeks ago. And I reckon, yeah, if there was a game last week, he would have, um, yeah, he wouldn't have played that. So when you think there's nine rounds to go, um, you know, rest him sort of halfway, you know, maybe plays, you know, maybe plays four, rest one, plays four, or, you know, plays five, rest one, plays three, that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I wrote it in the post after his debut. Um, I was just hoping, you know, as long as he can get through, show, show a couple of glimpses, you know, that'd be great. But I mean, I'm not exaggerating. He definitely changed the field, the midfield immediately. You know, since he came in, like he's pressured, like manic, um, and that's not to undersell what he can do with his, his explosiveness, um, sort of around contests and, and sort of getting out. Like I was at the Essendon game with a um, with an Essendon mate who was the first time he'd seen Wardlaw play, and sort of halfway through the second quarter, he's just like, "Geez, he's, he's everywhere!" <laughs> it's like, and he was he was so impressed um, with the way Wardlaw's playing um, was playing that that night, and. Um, yeah, obviously you want to protect him, and, and especially because it's still his first year. So, yeah, I think a rest and you know play seven or eight of the remaining nine games, and um, yeah, and then you get him into preseason. Cherry right. Do you think this uh, the way he sort of plays, like you said, this manic sort of uh, way of football is sustainable for a 10, 15 year career, or could it uh, you know be a case of you know getting uh, a lot of injuries? Yeah, I think it's sustainable um, as long as you just got to protect him sort of now when. When his body's not, um, you know, not the fully finished product, so to speak. It feels weird talking about someone's body as a product, but uh, just, yeah. just roll, roll with me for a second. But yeah, I think now when you're, you're sort of more vulnerable to those sort of, I guess, stress injuries or contact injuries, because, um, you know, he's at, what, what is he, 18? Has he turned 19 yet? Um, as long as yeah. you protect him much more over these next sort of 12 months, you're setting him up to really get that foundation. I mean, to use a cricket analogy, um, with fast bowlers, you're sort of that 19 to or sort of 18 to 23 range is where you really sort of protect them and and make and make sure they're they're fully primed to hit that sort of 23 to you know 30, 31 bracket and really be sort of available all the time. Um, I feel like that's a sort similar sort of thing that they'll be looking to do with Wardlaw, but not until 23, but <laughs> more still maybe at the end of 2024 that sort of thing. So. Um, just because he's going to be such a such a crucial part of that north midfield, hopefully for for a decade plus. Yeah, oh, definitely. I mean, yeah, and yeah, I think he needs you know a few years in the gym, uh, build that muscle up as well, so yeah. he can you know keep his body nice and uh, fit and healthy, and yeah, really attack those contests because yeah, once he gets a bigger body like a Clayton Oliver type, then mm. yeah. You'll be able to sustain it for a lot longer. I agree with you there, Ricky. Uh, Will Phillips uh, been really good in close, hasn't he? But does he handle too much, according to Kane Corns? <laughs> I'll leave that. I'll leave that opinion off to the side. Um, I don't like getting involved in that sort of stuff. But um, 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, progress has been huge, hasn't it? I mean, I know we talked about it early in the season where I said, you know, he's coming off two bouts of glandular fever. He's coming from just a million miles back. Um, so I'm just going to let him be. And, you know, whatever he does, he does. And you can see the progress coming over the last, especially the last six weeks, but, you know, even step by step earlier in the year. Um, I think I think that's his player type, right? Like he's not going to be, he's not going to be the guy who, explodes out of packs like a Wardlaw or, you know, sort of like is like a 70 meter player, like a, like a Davies Uniac. That's, he's not that guy. Um, and that's completely fine. Um, but he is going to be that sort of first possession extractor, neat, neat and tidy, and basically works to get his other midfield teammates into the space where they can, um, where they can sort of show off their skills. So it's a nice, I guess, complement of, of midfield types. And you can see what he's done over the last, especially the last six weeks, getting more of the ball, getting some more clearances. Um, he's still got plenty of work to do defensively, but that's okay. Well, that's all right. That'll, that'll come. Every, everything, obviously, we hear out coming out of the club is how, how driven he is and, and how much he works to, to better himself and his game. So I don't think he'll ever be sort of the incredible pressure midfielder but he'll be acceptable in time and that's and that's fine um and then he'll be that first possession guy and and, and keep developing yeah oh definitely um yeah look he's come a long way in a short uh, space of time and like you said he's had a couple of bouts of glandular fever he was out for the whole last year so yeah and you, you were pretty optimistic on him uh, earlier in the year when a lot of people were sort of not too sure and you sort of said, no, he's developing fine. Don't don't, don't worry about him. And, yeah, he's um, he's come on leaps and bounds, uh, particularly in the last month, and has pretty much um, nailed a role in that, uh, you know, midfield. And, you know, um, and, yeah, might as well go to midfield because uh, oh, we are talking about it, but uh, how do you see the midfield working when LDU comes back into the team? What do you see as the rotation through midfield when he comes back this week or, or which I assume he is. Yeah, well, he's, he's, uh, the injury update said he's available this week. Yeah. Um, and also, shout out to anyone from the club who's there listening on the injury video they did last week, which was incredible. Um, yeah. The best club injury video I've ever seen, Barna. Um, but actually, just to, before I start talking about the midfield rotation, just on Phillips, like I guess it's, and the stuff you talk about development, I think it's just like sometimes you've got to be patient, right? Like mm. it's it's obviously so hard to be patient when you watch when you watch loss after loss after loss for the last you know three and a half years. Um, um, and it's just like you know I want to you want to see improvement now, and you don't want, you don't want to sacrifice any more any more weeks when you're watching another loss while you know all your mates teams are starting to win and sort of Adelaide coming up and Hawthorne are showing signs and it's like well when when's going to happen at North? But it it, it just got to be patient. Like I think getting impatient is when you take short steps in development and that, and that cost you, um, it costs you at the other end when you find you've got a team that might have a lower ceiling than you anticipated, you know, when you're doing a ground up rebuild, that's not, you don't want to, you don't want to top out as a team. That's kind of like a, you know, fourth to seventh, you know, you want, you want to build a team that has the potential for premierships, but, um, but yeah, the midfield rotation, if this was a video podcast, I would show you my whiteboard in my study, which has all these different combinations um, trying to figure out, you know, first choice, second choice, third choice. It's um, you could tell me any of ten different rotations, and I go, yeah, that, that makes sense. <laughs> like, I, I've, to me, LDU is number one, and people work around him in terms of your know, on-ball rotations. I'm assuming he's full fitness to start, of course. Um, but you could throw any sort of combination in there, and I'd be like, oh, that makes sense, or, or yeah, that could work with us some time. You know, does does LDU play with 
say, say if you're looking at center bounce rotations, which is the closest thing we've got to sort of replicating midfield, like do you look at sort of LDU, Wardlaw, Simpkin, like that works? You do Phillips, Wardlaw, LDU, like that probably works too. Could you do, you know, um, can you throw, when you, when you throw Thomas in there, can you do Thomas, LDU, Wardlaw? Like I reckon that works. Um, you know, there's, there's, you could throw so many combinations and I think that's going to be the fun part, the most fun part about the next nine weeks. Hopefully everyone stays fit, of course. And, and if so, trying to figure out what works together and what works best together and, and what you can tweak along the way, it's going to be fun. Oh, definitely. Well, but yeah, no, there's, um, yeah. And uh, yeah, there was a great video by, I think, uh, it's Kevin White. Is it, um, mm-hmm. the, the, the Irish bike? I think he um, talked about the, he did an injury video and, you know, a, I think he pretty much said that uh, the soft tissue injuries have, um, yeah, I think it's only affected 16% of the season, whereas a lot of them have been, um, you know, through like a Tristan Cherry through something like like a, you know, freakish injury. Yes. So, yeah, which is, um, yeah, really good to see. They've really nailed that, um, the fitness staff this year. Uh, Tristan Cherry is back, but Goldstein has been really good this year. In a month's time, who do you think the club would go for or – who would you go uh, as number one ruck with with both fully fit? Um, it probably depends how long. I, I don't think a lot of it depends on the form. How, well, one, how quickly Sherry comes back to full match fitness in the VFL. Um, and then two, the form that he shows in the VFL. Um, I think they'll want to give Sherry a block of games um, towards the end of the year, as, as long as those other two things I just mentioned work well. Um so I wouldn't be surprised at all if um, Cherry finishes the season as an number one ruckman with with Goldie in the VFL, um, which doesn't bother me. I mean, you could see the difference um, in that Bulldogs game between sort of prime Goldie and, and current day Goldie. Current Goldie is still very good and sort of beat English comfortably for sort of you know two two and a bit quarters, um, but he couldn't maintain it for for four. Um, whereas prime Goldie would have just had his way with English all day. And um, so I think that's sort of, I think as the season goes on, like we might see that a bit more with Goldie because he's, I can't imagine the plan for him was to play, you know, every game since round one, but but that's what, what he's had to do, you know? So, um, yeah, so I think basically, but Sherry coming in probably preserves Goldie a bit as well and and gives the club a chance to see what they've got with, with Sherry. Would you give Goldstein another year? Um Based yeah, on uh, what you're yeah, saying, I would, yeah, yeah. Um, as long as long as he's okay with um, potentially playing quite a bit in the VFL, and I think that's a decision that he's earned. Yeah, you, know, you know, some people say, oh, he's not bigger than the club, and no player's bigger than the club. Yeah, I mean, I think it, you got to respect your club legends, and and that's what and that's what Goldstein is. Like, he is a club legend. Like, he's arguably, I mean, I'd say he's the best ruckman in club history. Some some would say, you know, he's some would say arguably the best, but I'll say the best. I'm happy to say that. Um, and I think if he doesn't want to, if he doesn't want to spend his last year, assuming next year is last year, um, spending you know half to two thirds of it running around the VFL, that's I think that's a, that's you know perfectly fine as well. So um, I would give him an extra year if his body's up for it, and and he's up for it. Like which the latter is probably more important. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I think by the sounds of it, he is keen to go around again. But um, yeah. yeah, and yeah, I don't think you're going to find uh, many better options as a backup than uh, Todd Goldstein. And I agree um, 
wholeheartedly that uh, yeah, in our lifetime, um, that uh, he's probably been the best ruckman we've ever had. And we've had some good ones over the years. Hamish McIntosh, Corey McKernan as well, um, and a number of others. So, yeah, no, and he's probably on, on top of that. So just shows the impact he has had. Uh, Tom Powell, he's an interesting one. Uh, playing as a high half forward, probably better play than that. Now, you were quoted in an article a couple of weeks ago that you would like to see him given more opportunities at half back. Do you stand by that? Because he only got, uh, I think, six quarters, and then they've um, pretty much given up on that. Yeah, I think that uh, I couldn't figure out as I was writing that. Like, am I just talking myself into a neat conclusion for the sake of it? But I just, yeah, I just think, um, so for those who didn't read it, basically um, the way I looked at it was he's going to be, or well, most likely going to be behind Phillips, LDU, Wardlaw, Simpkin as first choice uh, on ballers. And I think he's, I think he is too good a player, or sorry, can be too good a player and has too much talent to sort of be, sort of a yeah, perpetual second stringer, depending on injuries or or something like that. So basically looking around at how, at what's the best way to get him in, in that 22. And given the way Powell reads the game, his IQ and he's a clever user. And you know, when the ball gets in his hands, good things happen, right? So yeah. how do you, so obviously you want to maximize that and get the ball in his hands as much as possible, right? So my theory was you combine his skills with the, gaping enormous hole at half back of it that north have and i thought well like it would take time obviously maybe it's like a you train it over summer type deal um maybe that's the role that can get him a best 22 spot you know permanently rather than sort of waiting for you know someone the hamstring injury to simkin or a you know or a concussion to to phillips or something like that you know um I'll just, yeah, I'll just, I've always, yeah, I've, I think I've talked myself into it, but I'd be, I'd be interested to see how that goes with a bit more sort of continuity and, and the chance to do it for a few weeks at a time, if that makes sense. Yeah, is look, I mean, you seen last week he kicked those two goals and they were quality finishes. I think one was in the left foot, um, yeah, inside fifty. But then there's uh, periods of the game for two quarters you don't even see him, do you? Yeah, and that, and that's it. I think like, is there a way to sort of like do, the, do those sort of quiet spells, do they just disappear with more maturity and more games or do they disappear with a more consistent rock, right? Um, so at the moment, he's like like we said, he's very much second string. Um, I think I had four or five centre bounce tenants against the Bulldogs, if my if my memory is correct. So um, maybe giving him that sort of prominent role of half-back or he can even play as a small defender and then rebound, you know, like doesn't necessarily have to be like an Aaron Hall, you know? Um, that sort of thing. So it's, um, yeah, I mean, obviously I'm a big fan of him. I've made no secret of that ever since his you know, second or third game. So, um, yeah, definitely keen to, to get, get him in there at a prominent role and showcase him as much as possible. No, definitely. Um, yeah, and like you said, when he's got the ball in his hands, we're a better team for it. So we just, um, yeah, well, maybe it's just a young thing, a young kid thing. Oh, I think it's only his third year, so maybe he needs a couple more years and, you know, he won't... Uh, yeah, you know, um, be out of the game for too much, you know, where he's, um, you know, getting two possessions in two quarters or anything like that. So, yeah, we'll see how we go. Uh, now, you talked about Carl Coleman Jones previously, uh, and just um, his, you know, problem with uh, lack of continuity. I think it's uh, six weeks in a row is the most he's strung together. How have you seen him in the forward line with Nick Larky the last few weeks anyway? Yeah, quite against the Bulldogs, no doubt. Um, wasn't. It wasn't a very good game. Um, but, I mean, I quite liked his the month before that. Um, 
sort of the Sydney Collingwood Essendon GWS. Um, obviously playing in the second ruck. Uh, the game time was quite high, which was which was nice in those sort of four weeks. Um, played sort of I think ninety odd percent against Sydney, and then sort of you're looking at sort of low to mid eighties in the next three. Um, I, I think I don't think it's a coincidence that the that sort of efficiency inside four fifty has improved. Um, since he came into the side, um, sort of knowing that he's that clear, sort of knowing his role and playing to like he's a clear second banana, like he knows that, and that's not a bad thing. Um, and just working to create space and leading patterns and all that sort of stuff. Um, he's still got a long way to go, and I think that's where these next six weeks are going to be so crucial if he can stay on the field. Um, he plays those next six weeks, and he's got what 11, 12 games in a row, if my maths is correct. Um, and, and just keep building that partnership with Lucky. And I doubt Combin, I think he was listed as five weeks, I think, this week. Um, so when you, you include that, so five weeks, then he'll require at least another two, you would imagine, to get back up to speed. So um, I doubt we'll see Combin again this, this year, which which leaves that spot for, for Coleman Jones to sort of make it his own as a second tool. So, um, yeah, still plenty of improvement in him. Um, and it, well, it, there needs to be plenty of improvement in him. But I think as a, as a starting point, I think the sort of that stretch leading into the Bulldogs game was was good. Oh, definitely. I mean, he's a forward that can pinch in the ruck, not not the opposite, in the. Yeah, that looks to be that looks to be what they've decided on. Yeah, um, I wonder if that if that changes later in the year when um, when they give Sherry a block of games. Um, do they think that? Yeah, do they think Sherry's only like I say a seventy percent ruckman, whereas opposed to Goldie's been sort of that 90 percent, um, and then giving Coleman Jones a little more. Like I think, I think Goldie was at ninety something percent of centre bounces against the Dogs, um, which obviously doesn't leave much room for a second ruckman. <laughs> um, yeah, so it'd be interesting to see whether that changes. Obviously, we couldn't see it round one. Um, um, not that um, round one we saw with how they use Sherry, obviously, um, given he went down so early. Um, but yeah, no, I think, yeah, I think obviously you need a lot more improvement from him. But I think as a starting point, the last, yeah, the last month was was, was pretty solid and showed some good time. Oh, definitely. Uh, who's the best more forward at the club? Because I, I, I couldn't tell you who that is right now. Um, has Boomer recovered from his broken leg yet? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, yeah, he probably is. <laughs> well, Boomer's recovered. I'd still say him, I reckon. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, look, I mean, to be honest, it's probably Sheila. Like, I know he's not playing there, but it's been, it, would it be would it be anyone else? I mean, that was the first that's the first name that comes to mind in terms of on the list. Um that's probably him, but obviously for reasons we've already discussed, he's um he's not he's not gonna be there for that. He's gonna be at the other end of the field. So um yeah, so it's obviously pretty slim pickings, especially with like Armani's injured and um I haven't got haven't got to watch Hansen yet in the BFL. Hopefully I'll get a chance uh, this weekend now that they're back from the bike. Um, but yeah, it's it's slim pickings. Um, yeah, it's, it's obviously a, I can't. I would imagine though, the club will put lots of priority into recruiting one or two and potentially drafting drafting another one as well. Well, there is one uh, on top of the draft this year that's projected yep. to go around four or five. Whether the club will reach and take him at two, if we don't have pick three, um, yeah, it remains to be seen. So I'm not too sure, uh, but uh, yeah, it's definitely a priority, and it's a position now that's uh, got high importance because of the defensive side of it, isn't it? Yeah, well, absolutely. Um, actually, I should point out um, draft specifics are not my 
strength, so I don't no, go into draft. So just in case people are screaming at me going, <laughs> why didn't you say about so-and-so? Like, that's yeah. it's not my strength. So please, um, I'm happy to be educated on who the top prospects are. Please, yeah, talk, talk to me, but um, I'm not going to know them. Um, but yeah, especially with the way the North sort of side is setting up with a lot of those, a lot of those half forwards are going to have midfield time as well. Um, so that whether it's going to be one small forward or two small forwards um, in that in that forward group every week, um, they're going to need to do a lot of work <laughs> to to make up for to make up for a few um, defensive shortcomings um, amongst the other forward seven. So um, yeah, it's going to be a crucial. Oh, definitely. Um, and it's something that we're really lacking at the moment. Now, a couple of other players I'll mention to you before I let you go. Ben Cunnington, Cunnington uh, doesn't look great for him right now, does it? Yeah, I mean, he's got an extra... He's got a uh, contract to the end of next year. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, too, I was like, you'd like, you know, look at it and not to get all, you know, melodramatic and, and over the top. I mean, I'm just happy he's still with us. Like, like whether he, whether he oh, plays VFL, AFL... Um, EFL, you know, Yarra Valley, I, Division Two reserves. I like it. I, I just find it hard to sort of get too worried or too strung up about where he's playing because it's, it's just happy, just happy to see him playing. You know what I mean? Um, anything else is gravy as far as I'm concerned. It's just no, and that's yeah. that's a yeah, that's a really great way of putting it because yeah, it, it was. I'm sure it was pretty scary for him when he's yeah, you know, even when he talks about it, he sort of said yeah, you know, there was days where yeah, you know, it took a lot of energy just to go to the toilet, and th- this is not long ago. This is going back yeah, you know, eight months ago, which isn't that long really in you know in in sort of uh you know when you think about it in the scheme of things. So yeah, no, that's yeah, and that's a really good way of looking at it. And it's interesting you mentioned Yarraville because I think that's where Jared Pollock's playing this year. So yeah, <laughs> yeah right. I have no idea. But yeah, yeah. I could kind of like if, like if he wants to keep playing this next year, if he doesn't want to keep playing, I just like I think the thing I would want to see most is just him not being lost to the club. Um I, I, I don't think he's a. I don't think he wants to be a coach. Um, no. From everything I know about him, but um, just sort of keep me around somehow. Um, I think he's he's too good a person and um, too important to the fabric of the club to to sort of be lost um, and sort of drift away into some a different sort of post you know post uh, playing career uh, field. So um, yeah, whatever happens with him, um, you know, the rest of this year, next year, playing, not playing, I just yeah, I just hope he sticks around the club in some sort of fashion. Yeah, I mean, I think you'd be almost happy um, just with his personality. And what he said previously, that uh, you'd be happy just to go back to the country and just work on a farm, to be honest with you, yeah. just play local footy, uh, which is fine. You know, he doesn't – look, if he doesn't want to have anything to do with the club anymore, that's – you know, that's that, that's up to him. So, yeah, I mean, as long as he's happy and he's healthy and, you know, can, uh, you know, grow, you know, and have a, you know, you know have another 50 years at life, then uh, that's all that matters at the end of the day. So, yeah. Um, but that's a really good way of putting it, Ricky. So, yeah. Uh, what about uh, Charlie Lazaro? He's another player that's dominating at VFL level, um, getting, you know, 20, 30 toughies a week. Uh, is there ever going to be an opportunity for him to fit in anywhere besides maybe the forward pocket? Well, probably not in the mids. I mean, I know he's playing sort of full-time mid in VFL, but what we discussed before with all those players all those players um are ahead of him at the moment it's just it's going to take like a west coast injury run really for him to for him to sort of get regular midfield time so i think he's another one um with what his contract will end of next year 
uh, as I double check my contract spreadsheet. Yeah, end of 2024. So I think he's another one of those guys that has to figure out a different position, um, whether that is a, a wing with his running ability. Um, we don't. We don't want, You know, we can run all day. Um, whether it is a genuine small forward, maybe it's a small defender, potentially. Um, like that's the speed that he has could potentially be used um, in a lockdown sort of role as a um, as a small defender. So I think that's what this next preseason is going to be about for him. Um, if and if he can't figure that out, he's kind of going to be relying on a lot of injuries to get game time somewhere and his career is going to be sort of really on the fringe. So, um, but yeah, for him, I think it's a matter of figuring out what position he can play that has the quickest route back into the senior team and then working on that over the summer. I don't know if you remember that game uh, against Geelong uh, last year where I think we kicked like five goals and had about uh, 10 inside 50s or 12 yeah. inside 50s for the game. He played half back when Aaron Hall got injured in the mm-hmm. first minute for the first yeah. half. He had 15 touches. Yeah. Uh, and they've never tried him there ever again uh, since then. Um, yeah, I think that could be a possible role for him uh, because we've tried him in a forward, you know, as a small forward, and it just hasn't worked. Um, yeah, we tried him for the last five or six weeks last year, and I don't think he kicked a goal. He's pretty much uh, like the rest of our small forwards, um, you know, getting four touches a game, and that was about it. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, yeah, in that long game, it was that second quarter in particular had nine or ten of those touches, and then they... And then after half time, they didn't play him at half back. I was like, well, well, I guess that just probably speaks to last year, which, um, yeah, we've gone over a million times. We probably don't need to relitigate again. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, it's, there's definitely skills there. Um, it's just a matter of figuring out where they're best placed and in that place is it AFL standard. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a, going to be an interesting summer for him. Oh, definitely, yeah. And I think, yeah, it might be a case he just plays the rest of the year in the VFL in the midfield. And like you said, in the pre-season, they might try him as a, yeah, a small defender. So, yeah, see how we go. Well, Ricky, that's all I have for you, um, unless you want to add anything else. No, no, I'm always up for a cheap plug for the shinburner.com if people want to subscribe. Uh, yeah, but apart from that, all good from mine. Well, you must be, me and you must be the only ones that weren't trying at 2 o'clock to get Taylor Swift tickets. So, yeah, uh- I'm <laughs> I'm going to no, I, uh, very good artist. Um, I can't say I would want to go through that ticket tech nightmare to get um, to get her tickets. That's for sure. Yeah, I do know someone that was uh, that's been sending me messages. My phone has been next to me while I've been talk, uh, talking to you, so I'll have a look at the messages, see how she went uh, and getting the tickets. So yeah, but uh, her kids are very stressed at the moment. They're 17, 16, and they're desperate to go. So. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. Uh, well, I'm glad you sort of took the time away from that. Um, you can go for the tickets now if you want, Ricky. Um, but, uh, yeah, I appreciate you coming on the show. It's been a while, and I'll hope to chat to you soon. That's uh, always always fun. Thanks for having me. So thank you very much to Ravish and Ricky for coming on the show once again. That's it for today's show. I will be back tomorrow uh, to do another episode to preview the Adelaide Crows game coming up. So look out for that as well. So, and once again, thanks to all you lovely listeners for all the likes, retweets, comments you all put out in the show. It's much appreciated. I couldn't do this podcast without your support. If you can leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform you use as well, that would be awesome. So like I said, I'll be back tomorrow and that's it. So today I will leave a shout out to Dave Mullen at Mulls underscore Dave on Twitter. Until tomorrow, bye for now and go Roos.